song before prayer, number 514. I'm in the way, the bright and shining way. I'm in the glory land way. Telling the world that Jesus saves today. Yes, I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. Welcome to each of you. Good to see all of you here. It's almost a full house. It's good to be here to worship our Lord. If you're visiting with us, we're grateful for your presence and invite you back at each and every opportunity that you have. We also ask that if you're visiting that you fill out a, an attendance visitor card. Uh, we may have a record of your attendance and, and get to know you further. Before we begin our service, let's go to our Father in prayer. <clears throat> Father, thank you for all the families represented here today. We're grateful, Father, for Christian homes, for your design for marriage, for the family. It's a safe haven, dear Father, from this evil world. We ask, Father, that you will bless our family homes with wisdom may direct each home as you intended. Father, thank you for your benevolent care for each of us. We ask your care on the sick and the afflicted, those who've lost loved ones. We know, Father, that you are a God that cares for us individually and as a group of believers. We pray that you will bless us in ways that we don't even know that we need blessed. Watch over us through our worship time that we may glorify you, that we may remember our God and our Creator and the Lord of our salvation. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.
459. 459. 459. We'll sing the first, second, and last. 459. <clears throat> Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tenderest care. In thy pleasant pastures be. Sing to me of heaven, sing that song of peace from the chosen by me. Sing to me of heaven's sweetest 
be the song after the lesson this morning, 696. <clears throat> Once you have that mark, let's turn to number 580, 580. This will be the song before prayer in the lesson this morning, 580. And if you can and you wish to, please stand and remain standing for that prayer. join me in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to be here today to worship you, to praise you, to learn, of, uh, learn about you. Father, we're also grateful for Josh. We're grateful that you have such a loving, loyal servant that's willing to bring us your word. And Father, we know that what he teaches us comes from his heart. Father, we pray that you will be with him to help him readily rec recollect those things that he has worked so hard to prepare for us. And Father, we pray that you help us to open and quiet our minds and our hearts so that we can hear all that he has to bring to us, Father, because we know what he brings to us comes from you. We pray, Father, that you continue to watch over this congregation. You continue to bless us, guide us, and direct us, and forgive us all of our sins. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's a good morning to worship together, isn't it? This morning we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Last week we were also in Deuteronomy chapter 6, but it's such a meaty passage that we needed to break it up into two weeks. 
I'm sure you guys prefer that instead of a two-hour sermon, that is. But here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we are looking at what is called, commonly referred to in Jewish history and culture as the Shema. And that word Shema actually comes from verse 4 there in chapter 6. It's the word for hear. He says there in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall walk or talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You know, this is a pretty meaty and important spot where we look We began looking last week. We kind of had to break down the words as we got into this. The Shema word hear, what it meant to hear, what it means currently to hear. And this is something worth hearing because Jesus himself will, will bring this passage up three times in the Gospels when asked, what is the most important commandment? He'll answer them and quote this. And also in Luke chapter 10, he asked the lawyer who asked him, well, what is in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer, just like Jesus says in other places, says Deuteronomy 6, he'll quote it. And each time they'll also tack on Leviticus 19.8 that says, love thy neighbor as yourself. And so these together are very important. Why? Because if you get this right, Jesus was saying, and if we can also hear correctly now, then if we love God, then we will have no problem doing the rest of what God commands. We will have no problem being what God wants us to be as his people. He begins introducing, reintroducing himself here, saying the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he wants us to key in on the fact, yes, there are no other gods before me. You should not place no other gods in front of me. That's what he said when doing the Ten Commandments as well, right? And that's what he says here, and he says it time and time again. So yes, there is one true God. But also in this, there's this aspect of unity that he wants his people to be unified and in agreement. That's what unity means in part. But in agreement on who God is and what God expects. That's what it looks like and means to be unified because then if we get that right, we can act unified together with a common purpose if we are unified around the one true God. And so hearing is not just, you know, let it tickle your eardrums, but hearing is about doing as well. He says it over and over again. Listen to these words of mine and be careful to do them. He says in chapter 4, verse 1, and in chapter 5, verse 1, Listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you and do them that you may live and go take possession of the land that I, the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Chapter 5, verse 1. Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and rules that I speak in your hearing today. You shall learn them and be careful to do them. Hearing always involves action and doing. It's not just listening and in one ear and out the other, but it's internalizing. And he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's where we left off last week. What does that mean? To love God? Well, this love that he wants and that also has its New Testament correlation in the word agape, the word love, as well. 
It also, what it means is talking about craving and having a desire, seeking relationship with God, a desire to be obedient. And that completely, here in the Old Testament, changes the, the perspective of just keeping commandments to a natural result of loving God. If you really love God, you're going to represent Him how He says to represent. God has always been after His people's hearts. Not just after their mind, not just to make a checklist and do these things, but He has always been after the heart of people. The heart is the seat of our emotions and our motivation, our thoughts and our reasoning. And God says, you would do well to have that aimed at me. And everything else will let you down. But God won't. He is worth having our hearts. But he also says to love him not just with all our heart, but with all our soul. And that's our next word where we pick up this morning. And this word soul is, is nephesh, and it's, it's very similar. There's a little bit of overlap. It's similar to how I would talk about the uh, fruit of the Spirit. There's not one that's more important than the other. There's different aspects to each of them that are needed, and they do overlap. And in the same way here, heart, soul, and strength, or heart, soul, and might, as my version says. There is some overlap, and not one is more important than the other. We can't have one properly without the other. But there are different aspects to these different things. And you know what he says in Deuteronomy close to nine times? Something to the effect of, with all your heart and with all your soul. Let me bring up three for you just to see an example of. In chapter 4, verse 29, talking about how, you know, if you disobey me and if you go after other gods, you're going to end up in a faraway land. And he says, when that happens, verse 29, from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. And of course, what we read in chapter 6, but also in chapter 10, verse 12 through 13. He says, And now, Israel, do what the Lord your God require of you, but to the fear of the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And why? He says it's for your good, verse 13. To keep the commandments and statues of the Lord, which I am commanding you today, for your good. He's saying this isn't just for, for God to have soldiers to march around and do things of His bidding, but this is for your good. It's your benefit that you love God with all your heart and with all of your soul. So in, in the other nine-ish times throughout Deuteronomy that He says heart and soul, love the Lord your God, seek after Him, He's talking about our obedience, our seeking, our returning to Him if we find ourselves away. Our service and our love is meant to be done with all of our soul, all of their soul. Clearly, it's important to see how to engage God in that way, right? So to what here does soul refer to exactly? We hear soul, we think something very nebulous. And, and in a lot of ways, it is kind of nebulous. It's not as easy to pack down as heart. We, we get heart when we hear heart, right? We think either the physical heart or we think emotions, and rightfully so. But what does it refer to exactly? Well, to break the word down, soul is meaning breath. Or wind, it's sometimes translated. That helps a lot, right? <laughs> you know, sometimes word studies help you a lot, but then sometimes when you hear that, you're thinking, okay. And if I ended the sermon there, we'd all be like, what? <laughs> but to love the Lord your God with all your soul, that's translated and it means breath or breathing. You know, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, 
when man is created, says the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life. There's the word nefesh for soul. And the man became a living creature. The idea from that is that humanity, we each draw our life from the breath of God who breathes that life into us. God has given us this life that he himself breathed into us. And now it is a gift that I'm supposed to recognize. He also says in Job chapter 34, verse 14, that if he should set his heart to it and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. If God took this away, we could not be alive. We would not live just a normal, regular life. And so the breath of God is a gift to humanity. It is a gift that He has given us, and He is asking for us to take that gift and give it back to Him, to use it for Him, for our own good, yes, but for glorifying Him. And that's rightfully so, right? He's well within His rights to ask that of us. You know, nefesh, this word soul, takes it a little bit further than heart here to give more emphasis of our, over our entire Physical life as well. I look over in 1 Kings chapter 17 where this word is also used. You might like this. This is the first time that any type of resurrection of sorts is done here in the Old Testament. And in 1 Kings chapter 17 with Elijah, in fact, uh, Jesus refers to this in Luke chapter 4 when he begins his ministry. There's a boy here who is not a Jew. And he is a child, so it's kind of a double whammy here. It's not somebody that would typically be seen as having this privilege. But look in verse 17. Kings, 1 Kings 17, verse 17. He says, After this, the son of a woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. Same word. Down in verse 22, he says, And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child, life, there it is, breath, nefesh, came into him again, and he was revived. And so quite literally, our physical life. Nefesh is life as well, of all, as well as all of one's being, who you are as a person in essence. Heart is about a person's drive and purposefulness in the seat of our emotions. But then when he says the soul, he's using it to refer to the whole person as a whole, the entirety of who you are and the living thing that you are in a way that heart can never speak to. And so to love God with all of our soul is to love Him and to serve Him, to seek Him and obey Him with all of our entirety. With every breath that I have that's been given to me by God, I am using it to give back to Him. And the New Testament word psyche for soul lines up perfectly with this. Look over in Luke chapter 9, verse 25. But hold your place, obviously, there. Luke 9, 25. He says... For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? And that word himself is more closely translated soul, the psyche. And so the soul, to speak of the soul in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's not just the physical life, but it's that which survives the physical, that which goes on and is not limited by the physical. It's not limited by our earthly life. And so no wonder it's mentioned here in Deuteronomy 6 to be used because it's that which goes on past what we see and feel and hear here. 
And so loving God with all of our soul is meaning the whole person of an individual, the entirety of an individual's life, the breath that ties you specifically to God, that God gave to you every moment, all-inclusive. What we're saying then, to be a person of God in the Old Testament and to be a person of God in the New Testament means there are no part-timers. There is no time off. There is no vacation days or anything like that. You are full-time God's person, or you are not. And so there is an intentionality with him bringing up soul here to make sure that you and I know that inside and out, we want to be God's person. And he talks about the out in the next word with strength or might. That word there, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but meod or maod. You know, that word, it's used 298 times in the Old Testament. And in Kings and right here, it's the only time it's never an adverb, but a noun. And so you know what this word means? This is also one of those. You look up the word in a dictionary. We talked about with some of our men who, by the way, did a great job speaking on the past two months on Sunday nights when we were preparing. We talked about, you know, doing word studies and things of that nature. Well, sometimes a word study doesn't really help because when you look up this word, you know what it says? With all of your muchness. All of your very, <laughs> again, that's the sermon. Thank you for coming. That, that clears things up, doesn't it? But with all of your muchness, and in the Greek would say all of your power, and in the Aramaic would say all of your wealth, all of your mind and strength, which is how Jesus quotes it. And so what, what is going on here? Well, look further with me in the context of Deuteronomy 6 at verse 7, 6 and 7. He says, and these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Are we getting the point here? What he's talking and saying is, Teach of these things. Talk of them. And this helps us to understand the strength because what he's talking about is a life that is fully saturated with God. There is no aspect to my life where God is left out, where I don't bring God with me, where I don't uh, acknowledge that He is a key part of my life and my children's life and my married life and my single life, wherever I find myself. In my walking by the way, in the morning when I wake up, at night when I lay down, too often I'm concerned with my phone at night, and sometimes I forget also thinking about God. Who else do we get too concerned with what is going on in the world and get saturated with what the news is feeding us, with what games that we're playing, Monopoly Go is taking over some of our lives. And you know, things can distract us from having a life that is fully saturated with God. God is not an afterthought. God is not something that is tacked on to the life that you're living. You know, if we were to say, you know, I have a pretty good life. All I need is Christ. Well, if all you need is Christ, that means you're not in Christ, and that means your life is not pretty good. We are not to tack on Christianity onto the life that we're already living. We are to make our life Christ. We are to make our life revolve around what God calls us to be as Christians. That's Christianity. You know, the others are very internal in nature when thinking about it, but this one is more of an outward emphasis. And sometimes we get very focused on the doing, don't we? We get very focused on, well, let me just figure out what to do. Certainly they did. 
the Jews and the Pharisees, they're very focused on the doing, but they forgot the first part here about Yahweh, God. They forgot about the reason why the do. And so you and I, yeah, the do, the action is very much a necessity. We cannot be Christians without doing what God has called us to do. But don't forget your why. God who is one. God who has given you life. God who loves you and wants you to love Him back. He's asking of us the same things that He has given us. That's all He's asking is return. I've given you my love. I have given you my attention. I have made you the crowning jewel of all creation. You have my adoration. Do we adore God back? Do we crave God back? The others, as we said, are internal, but think about a couple verses. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, and He will make your paths straight. And coupled with that, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, He says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. What do these verses help us key in on with doing our muchness, our very, with all of our strength of serving God? You know, when I think of this word strength and what I'm able to do, I think stewardship. That's the word that comes to my mind anyway. Stewardship. And I think that principle and that teaching lines up very well with this because God is saying whatever is in your ability... Whatever is in your opportunity, whoever you have in your life, your children or your spouse or your friends, wherever it is that you're going, bring me with you. A life saturated with God, whatever ability or opportunity I have. I may not have the ability to do it very well, but I know I got the opportunity and I can only grow in the ability if I start with the opportunity. And so whatever time and chance that I have, all of my talents and abilities are a means of loving God. What are you good at? What are you capable of doing? Use that to love God. What are you not very good at? Use that to love God as well and grow in that ability. What I can do, I should do. Not necessarily what I'm just the best at, but what I can do, I should do. That's stewardship, ability and or opportunity. All of our opportunities are a means of loving God. All of our talents are a means of loving God. But you know, when we talk about opportunities, we also mean the, the divine interruptions. That's the, that's the nice way to put it. What we also mean by that is the problems. The problems in life are a means of loving God, are a means of showing that we love God. Sometimes the problems are people. And sometimes the problems are situational. And in this, I'm thinking, well, sometimes you and I, we have just a really hard day. Maybe we've been sick all week or something, and maybe we've just had our back up against the wall with work. Maybe things just aren't going our way, and then you're just so ready to get home, but then one of your brothers or sisters in Christ maybe calls you and is in tears and needs to talk for a good two hours just as you're about to go home and sit on the recliner and hang out and veg. That's a divine interruption. That's an inconvenience to my getting to just hang out. But that's an opportunity 
to, as Jesus would also say from Leviticus 19.8, love thy neighbor. And in loving my neighbor, I am showing my love for God. Not just when the times are good, but when the times, maybe not so much. And so when, where, doing what with all my strength? The answer is yes, it doesn't matter. When life is hitting me hard, and especially then, you know, the world and Satan, they are trying everything to take away, to get you to give away your heart and your soul without your say-so, though, they cannot, you cannot give that to, to Satan. Satan wants it, but he cannot make you give it to him or to anyone else. And it may take all of your strength, but the best thing that you can do in those instances is in turn, turn to God and keep loving God. And what a better time to crave after God, love God and His promises than the lowest points that you and I face when the back is up against the wall and everything seems to be working against us. All of our opportunities, all of our relationships that we have are a means of loving God and all of our resources are a means of loving God. Anything and everything that we can be, say, or do is a means of doing that. What God is saying to you and I in Deuteronomy 6 as well Though this is not our law, there are principles that are at play about, yeah, we can love God in this way. And God is saying, be very careful and be very intentional with your entire life. All of your thoughts and reasoning around who God is. All of what I consider my life purpose to be about revolve it around God. All of the things and decisions that I make, no matter how small it might seem, small decisions start to build up to where they have a big impact. And so from the smallest decisions to the biggest decisions, use that and think about that in regard to how is my relationship with God. And I love this last part there. Time, I guess, won't allow for a deep study of verse 6 through 9. But when he talks about teach them diligently to your children, intentionally to your children, and this is where we'll land. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Yeah, we have an obligation as parents and as all of the people of God to teach children. Now, it's not your job to raise someone else's kids. Don't think for a second it is. But you do have an obligation as God's people to teach them by way of your life how to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And so we do this not just on Sundays and Wednesdays then. I've tried to make that a point in the past uh, couple months to say that as much as possible because the more I read Scripture and the more I study out, the more I realize this is not a part-time thing. This is not something we come just on this day and do. And many here are saying when we read this about the children, think, yeah, our teens and our young people, they, they need to learn and they need to start making an effort. Okay, that's fair. But you know what also is fair? To say that each of us, in turn, needs to also make a dramatic effort for them, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays. You know, it's very easy when we see, we, we get excited when we see young people. Why? Because we're excited about the future that you guys bring. And we're so excited about the things that you can do for God. But you know, we should be doing more than just saying on Sunday mornings when we see them, I'm glad you're here. You know, there's more to 
what you and I are called to do than that. We should be finding opportunities to show up for our families and young people, whatever that might be, whatever that might look like, extracurricular activities, the celebrations, the hard times too, all in an effort not just so that we tell them, I'm so glad you're here, but so that we show up to say, I'm glad that I get to be here for you. So the question becomes for the rest of us who aren't in the category of children, mentally or not, what are you going to do? What are you doing to be a diligent teacher to someone who teaches about God and what a life that's saturated with God and fully devoted to God looks like? Are you making that effort to show and teach what that looks like through the example of your life, through the speech and the actions that you have? You won't make a difference by just stating what should happen or what needs to happen. And you won't make a godly and spiritual difference in anybody's life if you are not present in their life. So we saturate our lives with God, and then we bring the lives that are saturated with God out into the world. Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew 5, chapter chapter 5, verse 13? You be the salt of the earth, verse 16, the light of the world. If I'm going to be fully salt... My life has to be fully about God. If I'm going to be fully pure light, as God has called me to be, my life has to be fully about God. And then I can begin to make a difference in those nearest to me and those I may not realize that are watching and those also that I have not even met yet, brought these conversations up and are seeking to bring a deeper understanding to Christ. But maybe you're here. And you haven't been loving God with all of your muchness, as we said, with all of your heart, with all your soul. And maybe you need help with that. That's why we come together on this morning, because we celebrate what Christ has done for us. And we celebrate and we know what Christ can continue to do in you, to change you into the person of God that you can be and that we should be. And we encourage one another in that walk. We don't shake our finger at one another and say, shame, you shouldn't be there, figure it out. No, we help each other figure it out. That's the picture of discipleship. We walk side by side towards the goal of heaven. None of us are called to go from here to heaven alone, but as a community of God's people. God has always been about community. God has always been about fellowship. And God has always been after his people's hearts. And if you need help directing your heart to him this morning, let us know as we stand together and sing.
This is the uh, part of our worship where we take the time to remember Jesus' sacrifice through the bread and the cup. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. 1 Corinthians chapter eleven twenty six says, as often as we partake of this bread and of this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is also us proclaiming that, yes, that body and that blood that was enough for me. Will you pray with me? Almighty Heavenly Father, we come to you now in prayer as humbly as possible, giving you thanks for that perfect sacrifice, your Son. We pray that as we take of this bread, we reflect back onto the pain that he went through for each of us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and give thanks. Amen.
Would you bow with me, please? Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we continue our thanks and our praise. Thanking you for the blood that was shed for us. The blood that washes our sins away from our Lord and Savior. We pray, we pray that you forgive us of our sins. That we remember his death. In Jesus' name.
bow your head with me, please. Dear Father, if we come to this table, help us to remember each and every blessing that you have given us. Help us to remember that each and every earthly thing that we have is due to your love for us. Help us to have a loving and willing heart as we give back. Lord, may you use what we gather here to spread your name and help those who are lost and not yet found their way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Kind of jumped the gun a little bit there, didn't I? 